Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So hello, so hello and welcome to what is definitely the final last week of the Six Nations. No French players, waffles, gender reveal parties, nothing is dragging us on for another fucking week. So we're definitely done. Joining me as usual, Ryan Wally. Wall, how are you doing, man? Yeah, good today. Yep. No, no, not at all. I have my, my little thing on Twitter where I was I've been trying to sort out t-shirts for well, I've been trying to sort out t-shirts for close to a year, right? I've got someone who can manufacture them all sorted great. It's just a bastard to try and sell them anyway, right? So I've been spent, like, making work for myself for no apparent reason, because they said it just to wear a simple t-shirt as well. I've got, like, three designs, and the other three uh, I've made stupidly difficult, right? So I've already made extra work for myself. Then I set up a shop that then wanted to charge me £39 a month to have a shop. So I closed that shop fucking down. I then set up an Etsy account. Etsy have now decided that to block my account for no apparent reason why. They've not sent me any emails, no notifications, no anything until I try to log in so I can look at the orders that have already been placed and the people who've already paid. And they're like, nah, it's not happening. So like I've got emails. So anyone who has bought a T-shirt, they can at least send them the T-shirt. That's fine. It's all sorted. But now Etsy have not done anything. I've emailed them. I've got nothing back. I can't contact them. There's no easy way to contact Etsy. You've just got to email them. It's not like they're a multi-million pound fucking website or anything. So I'm just waiting. So that's how my week's gone so far. I've spent four days just trying to sell what's essentially a stupid fucking T-shirt that on the back of a bad fucking joke that I made worse. So that's how my week's gone. Oh, Puff, that's all fucking great. Great. So... Uh, we'll go straight on if you because I know you've had a bad week as well. Are you do, do you want to share? Do you want to share? No, I, I don't need to have a rant this week. I'll, I'll, I'll rant when I need to uh tomorrow, probably like I did most of it today. So excellent, I look forward yeah. to it. So joining us as well this week, someone else who's not had a great week. Uh, rumors of her death have been greatly exaggerated. 
back from beyond the grave. Patricia Vieira is here to join us. How are you doing, Patricia? Hi, lads. Thanks for having me back. Oh, but when you say back, obviously just back on the podcast, not sort of back to life. Yeah, yeah, back on the podcast. <laughs> you didn't, you didn't resurrect me. So no, I, you've been killed off more times than Dirty Den, I think, over podcasts <laughs> over this past year. But gladly still with us. So we'll dive straight into uh, news before we get on to this week's games and everything else that went on. The biggest one for me, and I forgot to put it in the news that we're covering, the massive story for me this week, salt before vinegar, apparently. I don't know if you've seen this this week. Absolutely shocking behaviour. People are putting salt on their chips first, then vinegar on after. Now, I don't know about you two. That's angered me. Like, surely you're just washing the salt back off. Have we got views on this? Um, um, I'm, not a, I'm not a vinegar person, really. Um, I don't, like... If someone gave me chips like that had vinegar on them, I'd eat them, but I wouldn't ever like gravitate towards putting on my own chips. So I don't really have a view on this one, but it made more sense. Like when you guys were talking about it, it made sense when everyone was like, no, put the vinegar on first and then put the salt on. Like that made sense to me, but. I'm laughing because I love how much of a mark this week. Like when you guys were talking about it, so people can say like this has been a genuine conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the, amount, the amount of conversations we've actually had in the last few days about this is actually what worried me a little bit. But yeah, yeah. definitely deserve this is beyond comedic effect. Like now, this is this is the point where I'm appalled at 54% of people I think it was in the end thought that salt should go on first. I've had experts, I've had people telling me they used to work in chip shops. Vinegar definitely goes on first, so yeah, but I way. just think you can't like base anything off Twitter polls. Like, yeah, what's the point? Like, well, unless the Twitter poll is um, whether people like drop goals or not, because Steph lost that one, so we can use that one. Yeah, uh, any polls ever? Like, none have ever been good, have they? Like, Brexit happened. That was a shit call. Like, one Direction didn't even win fucking X Factor or whatever they were on. <laughs> I wasn't uh, Angels by Robbie Williams was once wrote the greatest song of the past 30 years. The people are fucking idiots. Like, we can't trust them to judge anything. So uh, yeah, yeah we, we're writing Twitter off. I think it's I think it's like I re- um, replied to your tweet the other day though that the only people that put their uh, salt on first is England rugby fans, aka weirdos. Well, I you had a backlash from England rugby fans there. I did. Not about you calling them weirdos rather strangely, but because they were saying, hang on, I have my fucking vinegar on first. <laughs> but yeah, don't trust Paul. We've seen that the fan-picked Lions teams come out this week, and they're fucking horrific as well. No, that's what they meant. Apparently Finn Russell is starting for the Lions at 10. Finn. Not sure about that one, really. Well, I, I mean, Finn's got his qualities. He's a joy to watch. At least we're going to get exciting games if that's the case. Yeah, that's true. I'm not sure Gat- he's definitely not a Gatlin player, that's for sure. Yeah. I can't see Gatlin going out. Ah, do you know what we've really missed for the past two Lions doors? Finn Russell. He went on the last tour, didn't he? Was he one of the Geography Six? Yeah. But then... <laughs> he it, was as well. If we count in that, then Christian Dacey also went on the last tour. <laughs> and I can't see him going this time either. <laughs> so... We might have had a battle between fish and chips. Yeah. The other battle we've had this week, we fortunately no one got battered. Ellis Genge, John Welsh, almost come into blows before the Falcons game this week. Funny as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, I didn't see it until a lot later on. I was like, what the hell is this? And then you look at it and you go, Ellis Genge, 
obviously, like likes a bit of a tear up. Um, and then you find out the, the story behind it in the background where like John Welsh was like uh, under 20, under 14 Scottish boxing champion. And you think, man, I wish I'd seen that. Like he clearly, it doesn't matter who you are. He's knocking you out. Any, he's knocking you out, whoever you are on the pitch. Um, it's just a shame it wasn't sort of, didn't actually happen. Because I think that first scramble probably was, was, would have been a bit tasty if it was back in the mid 90s. Because as soon as they've gone in, I think they're going to be coming up with fists everywhere. But um, it would have been nice to see someone knocked out, wouldn't it? I, I put on Twitter, you know, I, I don't condone violence on a rugby pitch is my official stance. And as a mini and junior rugby coach, I don't want to see fighting because it doesn't set a good example to the kids that I'm trying to train. And I've got two kids myself, so I definitely don't want to see that on the telly. But my unofficial stance is I love a good tear up as well. Like I want to, I miss a fight. But I just, just, and I think this is like an ice hockey there. I, was, I think maybe we just needed to happen like every team gets one fight a year that they're allowed to start. Like you're one fight a year and then write it off and then it's done. You can't start, you know, let's start another one. You've had your one for the year. There's going to be red cards if there's a, but just for one fight a year. And then we get 12, we get, or mostly you get 12 a year, just over one a month because of the way the season was. That's enough for me. Mm. I'm happy with that. So that's my proposal I'm putting forward. When I run for, for Ed of World Rugby, I mean, Gus Pichot, if Gus Pichot had said this, Instead definitely would have won. Yeah. If Gus Pichot had gone one fight a month and a new video game, I I would have been right there. I would have <laughs> won his campaign for him. The thing is, I reckon in pre-season, every team just gets, gets given like a green card. And when, when they present it, like the TMO cameras get knocked off. No one can watch it. Like we see it as public, but like officially it never happened. So there's no I, there's no cards or nothing. I just say they give them a green card means they could play in the MLR. No. <laughs> Let's just mack it up. <laughs> But so I feel kind of bad because a couple of times in a couple of weeks now, I've tweeted something about Ellis Genge. Now, I don't dislike Ellis Genge. No, not do I. But then, and I, I, I sort of, I got in, I'm still not sure about how I got in the shit when the Elliot D thing happened. But it got to the point where Ellis Genge was also in my timeline. And all I done was post a video without even a comment because someone asked what the video was. But there was that. Then he essentially went full fucking UFC on an helpless Johnny Sexton. Which and I know, right? I will I will give him to him. Like we've all had a moment where we've really wanted a fucking punch, Johnny Sexton. Right? And there's not a person in the world, including probably Mammy Sexton, who hasn't wanted with him at some point. So I do sympathise a little bit, but I do feel like I'm teeing off a lot on Ellis Genge. As um, as Johnny Sexton's number one fan, I think you should get Patricia's opinion on that. Oh yeah, I absolutely love Johnny Sexton. Um, <laughs> no, I I get what you mean, and it's like I saw obviously that clip, like everyone did on Twitter on Sunday. Yeah, Sunday was, and uh, like yeah, it was funny. But at the same time, I just feel like he's kind of starting to cross over that line into just being a bit too much of a liability do you know what I mean um like everyone sort of joked and like yeah it was only Johnny Sexton like fair play to him and yeah like I get it but also like he still did he still did it and it's just a bit like like the fight the, the you know him squaring up was was funny before the game because you know no one ever hits anyone so it didn't really matter and he shot himself like he very clearly was like I have overreached myself here um but I, yeah, I just think 
I think it's kind of getting to the stage where it's going to like stop him getting picked. Yeah. And I like him as a player. I think he's a good player. But I don't I don't think he's helping himself. Mm. And we've already seen sort of players single out the player that they know could blow at any moment. And we've seen Alan Windway with English forwards. He, he quite likes to, to wind an English forward up to the breaking point. So, yeah, it does go to that point we go, at what point is he then? And even if it's not particularly true, even if you just start to be considered a liability, you're yeah. already in the shit a little bit. And so I've got an issue as well with people talking about either uh, race or class background as a way of covering, oh, well, yeah, but, you know, you've got to look at his upbringing, you've got to look at his... I think that's slightly patronising to say that, like, oh, well, he can't control himself because he's from a rough area. Like, that's that's bullshit. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. And I know, like, we don't want to be... We want to be encouraging kids from all backgrounds to be playing the game. But that doesn't mean to say you've got a free fucking pass to do what you want because you can be a role model. If anything, it means you've got to pull your finger out and be more of a fucking role model if that's the card you're playing. Like, I, I personally, I, the role model thing is always going to be a difficult one anyway, and it's always a, a double-edged sword where we're expecting a little bit more players. But if that's the route you want to go down as a defence, then I'm saying, well, all the more he's got to be fucking towing the line and being you know, a stand-up guy. That said, he did shit himself and clearly doesn't want to fight someone who's got a background in boxing. Or So, who would be the one player? Now, and I know we, we talked about this, there's no fucking player we want to fight. Realistically, out of the three of us, none of us are probably winning that fight unless we pick them <laughs> back because they're all fucking weak. We know that. Which one player would you like to fight least? Patricia, past or present? Um, so I kind of was thinking about this and I was trying to think about players who have like form for being, you know, a bit punchy. And I was like, you know, who would I want to steer clear of? So, and the first name that came to my head was Sam Lousy that plays for the Scarlets, right? <laughs> um, because he, you know, he's good for a card game. But then I remembered when he punched JJ Hanrahan that time and didn't knock him down. And I was kind of like, maybe not then, because like, yeah, JJ now Hanrahan you mention small, it, that so... might be the one fight I could win. Because not only did he <laughs> hit Anrahan and not put him down, it wasn't Anrahan that he was aiming for. Yeah, he, and he, <laughs> he didn't. So I kind of coughed out and I went for Evan Etzebeth just because he's huge and he like he's quite terrifying and he's just ginormous. And allegedly he might use a weapon. Yeah. <laughs> allegedly, probably we're still waiting on a result. Well, who are you... Uh... Um, as a former um, terrible level youth prop, um, probably Taniella Tupo, because he's just a man mountain. Like you wouldn't want to walk anywhere near him, would you? Because you just even if like is middle of the summer's day in the middle of a field, you'll go on the outskirts of the field. You wouldn't go anywhere near him because you know he's just going to fucking knock you out. Not because he's a hard man, just because he's fucking massive. <laughs> Well, I was thinking uh, it started like Jamie Cudmore. I thought I thought Jamie Cudmore. Yeah, yeah. Cuddles like he was a at a great guy as long as you weren't playing against him. If you're and, gonna like, if you're gonna attack Paul O'Connell like that, who is like one of the most intimidating people I think I've ever seen, like if 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 he's gonna hit him like that, yeah, I wouldn't want to go anywhere near it. Thank you. Yeah, and then uh, it just came to me that obviously. 
Jake Paul might be a good shout because any man that gives Ali Windows a black eye <laughs> and rumours he may have knocked him out. I don't know whether he, I, I'm guessing he didn't because Ali Windows wouldn't have been playing in that first game otherwise because of Ed protocols. But yeah, if you're if you're brave enough to not only throw a punch at Ali Win, but leave a mark. I, I don't I don't want to fight Jake Bawley. <laughs> and and be still alive after it. Yeah. 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 Nah. And so yeah, I I think uh, of current players, I'm gonna go for, for Jake Ball purely for the reason that he punched God. <laughs> and that's the only other one that came to me that I was thinking about this earlier on, mainly because I got reminded, because um, he signed for an MR, MR team the other day, was Samuel Manoa. Like, yes. Samuel Manoa was just, like, even when, when he came to the Blues, he, was, he didn't obviously wasn't there for a while and he was injured, but him playing when he was out in France and when he was at Northampton, nobody was going anywhere near him. Like, no one was tapping him. And, and alongside that mould as well, the other, the other option was um, Chabal. Yeah. I was just trying to think of people who were just huge. So yeah. I was like, Matthew Bastro, like people like that. I was just trying to think like, who's really big. But then I was like, any rugby player would probably <laughs> kill me. So, But then the other way I was thinking about it was, you know, you get those like outside backs, like Liam Williams and Keith Earls types who are like wiry kind of, you know, they, yeah. I don't know. I, I think that would be, that's like, it's yeah. the other side of the spectrum. But I feel like I wouldn't want to fight Keith Earls. Liam Williams has got that sort of scaffolder strength as well, isn't he? Yeah, and so Keith Earls is from is from a, a rough part of Limerick. Like, you know, yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't cross him. Yeah, that's a good shout, actually. And I mean Liam probably why Johnny May didn't go anywhere near him. <laughs> <laughs> that's what Johnny May was just trying to avoid him just in case. Because <laughs> <laughs> he wasn't switching back inside, he was trying to run away from Keith Earls. It all makes sense now. So that's we will settle on those then as our uh, news this week as well that the Rainbow Cup finally has fixtures and for all our big build up and the excitement of playing South African teams, we're all playing derbies again. I'm so angry about it. <laughs> I don't need to see Monster play Leinster again. Well, it's going so well for you. <laughs> well, this is going to be the fifth time Monster have played Leinster since the lockdown. Like since we, since rugby came back after lockdown, that's too many times. Mm. Like and you know, Monster haven't won any of those games. Like that's kind of by the by, but it's that like we've seen it four times already, including the one that happened at the weekend. And like the whole point of the Rainbow Cup was supposed to be, oh, you know, you get to see your team, your Pro 14 team is going to play these South African teams that they've never played before, and these great players that you've never seen in your stadium. And now it's like, no, you're playing Connacht. Yeah. And no disrespect to Connacht, but Munster played Connacht like a month ago. It's, I know that you know COVID's sort of. So don't do it then. Like if if <laughs> I if it's gonna if if you can't make the tournament happen because of the travel restrictions, fair enough. But don't do the tournament then. Mm. And I thought one of the South African teams was were they not meant to be based in Dublin? Like if Munster are going to Dublin. Why can't they just play the South African team that's meant to be based there instead of playing Leinster again? I don't know. I don't get it. Well, no, this is this is my uh, this is my confusion, and I, I'm wondering as well. Like, are we at the point now where it's just watering down derbies? Because like you'd look forward to derbies. Yeah. Even even when we didn't used to win them, I'd look forward to a derby and think, ah, oh, this could be our year. And then Monster haven't beaten Leinster in three years. I still look forward to it. Like at Christmas, it's always the game after Christmas, and now it's like they they played them. 
in January, they played them twice in like August, September. Then they played them at the weekend and now they're playing them again in three weeks. It's, it's difficult at the moment, shall we say, because I was one of the people who was arguing quite a lot for the excitement of the Rainbow Cup because I mm. really wanted it. I thought it was a great idea and a chance to play, as I said, play different teams and teams that we yeah. we know when they've got good quality and there's a little bit of excitement and that sort of... When, when there's a foreign team, it always makes it more exciting. Like, rugby doesn't utilise that fully. Like, the way football does, where it's become like, even the club game is now global, rugby still feels like a pocket. Yeah. And so the chance to go, we can play some South African teams, this is incredible, I can't wait, this is going to be brilliant. Oh, we got the dragons. Like, it's kind of become a bit like Wales playing Australia every month <laughs> or whatever we did for fucking three years, where we just replayed the same game with slightly different thing, and then they scored in the 79th minute every time. Like, I we kind of it in that point with derbies now, where like yeah, it's like and I, and you know, let's be real, we're all gonna watch whatever games they they put on, and we're you know, some of the games I'm sure will be enjoyable games, but it's just the fact that like we've just seen it so many times, and it was meant to be something different with this whole thing. I don't know why they didn't just extend the Pro 14 season if they were just gonna play you know the same teams again. We could have had a, a proper playoffs. Yeah, yeah, there's no but... reason why we couldn't have extended them done proper player. Like, all right, we know spoiler alert, but we know Leinster still would have fucking won it. <laughs> but we could have had a few more games in there. Yeah. We could have had a proper finish and then gone right now the tournament starts. Which now would have felt it would have felt more fair as well, actually. That's a good point. For teams like Ulster, who had a really good season, won the same amount of games as Leinster and Munster did but didn't get the chance to play off to get to a final. And yeah, yeah if they were just going to, if it was just going to be derbies anyway. Yeah. It just feels a bit like I was with you with the whole being excited for the rainbow cup thing, because it was, you know, these are players, especially because South Africa didn't play the rugby championship. Like these are players we haven't seen play since the world cup. And they were yeah. going to come to, you know, our team stadiums and play, you know, against our players. And now it's no, you're, you're going back to the RDS again in three weeks. And- in, in the build-up to Alliance Tour against them as well. Yeah. So, so it was perfect. And we've got Derby since uh, we were fucking... That's all right. I saw the pictures come out the other day and I thought, oh, we got the Ospreys. It's not really, it's not ideal, but it's my birthday. It'll be okay. And then I realised we can't go anyway. And then now after that, I'm probably going to be working anyway. So it doesn't really matter. Are you, are you still on this? I'm working Saturdays from now thing. Yeah. That's it. Look, I asked you at the start if you wanted your moan. No, that's you right. said no. That's my moan. Uh, I just want to just to quickly jump back to because I was trying to fight because I remember when you mentioned uh, Samu Manoa signing for the Blues. Can you remember the hype around the Blues signings that summer? How they made these four signings, a uh, five. They made five signings, and it was going to be incredible. It was amazing, and they made. And I've just looked back. I. I Dimitri Arhip has yeah. still, but he's proven to be a decent signing. But yeah. I mean, I wouldn't say someone to get like super excited about. Like, I, I maybe it's because I've still got a fucking bee in my bonnet for that clear fucking forearm. But Dimitri Arhip, Jason Harris, mm. Rory Thornton on a season long loan, mm-hmm. <laughs> Sam Manoa, who played when he played eight games, <laughs> they fucked up. So yeah, and then, well, uh, Ian had... Belcher and Tom Williams from the Scarlet also signed that year, but I think they were short-term loans as well. Oh, Belcher's still there, isn't he? Oh, is Belcher still there? Yeah. 
Yeah, not just gonna. And but yeah, um, Jason Harris has been injured, I think, recently. But then you look at the likes of Summer Hill, Josh Adams, Owen Lane. Oh, but none of them were part of this signing. Don't get no, excited. I'm just saying, but I mean, like since, like although Harris is still there, he doesn't really play because of the All other right. options we've got. Well, he did play against Edinburgh because he got absolutely fucking flattened by Bill Marta. Yeah, and what, just... happened, and what happened after that? Bill Marta got what... absolutely flattened by Josh Tingle. <laughs> I had a message from you going, oh, that's amazing, this tackle Turnbull on today. And it was a good tackle, but nobody had mentioned before the fact that Bill Marta had murdered someone. Oh, my God. So, yeah, so I was just bringing back that, that summer of uh, Cardiff Summerfest yeah. with the signings building up the Summerfest and how... Really, meh. <laughs> um, one of the stories that come out this week, a bit more serious. Um, Kate Rowan wrote uh, an article this week and put a tweet out. A really difficult read, but a really important read. Patricia, I suppose it's uh, it's only right that we should come to you first as a as a massive rugby fan and a woman. Uh, what's what's like? I can't say what's your views because it's obvious what your views are, but yeah. Yeah. What's your take? Um, on that? Yeah, like you said, it was it was really I found it really really difficult to read, and it was upsetting in so far as like how unsurprising it was to read yeah. what she had to say in a way like you just you read it and it was like your sort of primary reaction is obviously shock at like the things that she's had to go through and the things that she's having to um, speak about, but it, then at the same time you're like yeah that's that's kind of unsurprising and i i hope um like obviously it was incredibly brave of her to write it and put it out there and i hope that she has like the support of i'm assuming she does otherwise it probably wouldn't have been published but um i hope that like it leads to something proper you know what i mean because like obviously there's changes that need to be made and i hope this sparks something in rugby to do something about it because it obviously shouldn't be happening so yeah I, I don't think it's any surprise the overtones of it all and sort of the way that women are treated in the game and it is a reflection of the way that women are treated in society at the moment and we're at the time where we're all fucking banging our head against a brick wall like with things that are going on Obviously, we've got the, the Met Police not a couple of weeks ago, you know, breaking up the vigil on the back of something that's happened because of a Met Police officer. And so if women can't even feel safe enough. But to you as well, that she was essentially like assaulted in the middle of Twickenham at a press conference. Yeah. Is, as you say, like, it's shocking, but at the same time, like, not surprising. Like, it you sort of read it going, oh my god and then go yeah but I kind of I'm not that taken aback by the fact it's happened when like that should we should be like it's disgusting it's vile it's awful that that thing's happening yeah the fact that it's kind of we we know we kind of assume that that's what's it is even worse that is this where we're at and it's another one of these fucking rugby values trying to pretend we're better than we are when this is going on within people in the game. Like I know these are these are journalists that are, or people who are staff with it, but it's quite a close knit community. 
you know, rugby is, is small in terms of the sport that there is in the, well, in the fucking world, let's be honest, but within the country as well. So everybody knows each other. Everyone knows what that is. I mean, she's talking about one incident where she's set upon by supporters and like assaulted by supporters at a game. Yeah. Like, how, how can this be allowed to happen now? Is this, and then she's talking about maybe cover a less macho sport. The whole thing is, is fucking disgusting to read. Like I say, I, I, implore everyone who say who well, hasn't read it to read it because it's vitally yeah. important in terms of society and in terms of our sport but it is a difficult read all i know where uh, I, I sent it on to you because you would it's something that you had missed it's just like echoing what you both said i read it and the first thing is disbelief i think but then it's a case of i can't believe somebody would be would be put through that ordeal in like one generally, two in a in a place of where it's basically her place of work, three in a public setting that anyone would be able to sort of witness it and see it, and someone's done it in that in that set, and then you just look like you've just said as well, but both of you, it's it's like yeah, like I get it, like it should it, it shouldn't happen, but unfortunately it's happening, and like things like that need to be just not in sport, just in wider society, just be stamped out because it's not right where the people. <clears throat> want to look at it and go oh it's harmless fun away but it's not it's just total bullshit and we, we know we've had conversations ourselves in, in in our chats and stuff where even little things like in a pub brushing past someone trying to get to the toilet or whatever like things that happen in in those type of things and, and even that's too far like i'm not passing this off as something trivial because it's clearly not but people in the past have looked at it and looked at it, looked at those type of things um, as though they would be tri the trivial incidents, and they're clearly not. And there needs to be there needs to be something more done as a wider society to stop things like that happening. And like whether that's oh, I, we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. Well, whether that's things like men calling up their mates when they see things like that happening, etc. Like this needs to stop because it's not it's not right. And and for somebody to feel like that in her place of work, a like probably started off as a vocation for her, for her, like similar to what we what we are doing. It's gone into a job. She wants to be, um, or wanted to be a rugby journalist, and has now gone on to have a great career. Like she's got a great backing with with the paper behind her. But to start off like that, that could have completely like shattered the what she wanted. And it's like props to her for being as strong as she is to carry on and like do. And she's like, no, like that's wrong. But this is my job, and I'm gonna, I'm kind of, I'm gonna do it to my best, best of my ability. And like she says in the piece, she's one of probably a less than a handful of genuine female journalist that covers men's rugby and she's brilliant at it so like it's like it just said props to her and, and things needs to be changed in the wide, wide society not just in the game I think yeah and they said for her to, to write that piece to talk about those things it's incredibly brave and, and it's completely covered like to have to address them first of all for yourself like having gone through them but then to put them out there in the public for people to say, well, this has happened to me. And knowing full well as well, there'll be people judging. There'll be stupid, disgusting comments. There'll be the, the chance that it could affect your career. Like People will sneer or you, because there's a chance that you could become that woman because it is such a, a closed community. So I know she replied to me and said, it's not brave, it's something we need to do. And it is something that needs to be said, but it still makes it brave to say it. Mm -hmm. And it's important as well because this is something that's happening to women sort of every day. Like this yeah. is not an isolated incident. This is not something that's happening within it. This is happening to women every day. So 
incredible for it to put that out there. So if people are saying, I will share it again to put it back on the timeline for people to look at because that that's the most important article that you can read. So you can read as many fucking Lions teams or Six Nations reviews or people making stupid fucking comments as you like. That's the most important article you read this week if you read it. Yeah, agreed. So we'll, uh, we'll leave the news there and we'll move on to finally wrapping up the Six Nations, the final game. It's been three years or something since it started. I can't remember <laughs> where we were. If it does feel like a long time ago that that first game kicked off, I know it's only been an extra six days. I mean, especially if you're a Wales or a France fan, those six days felt like a fucking eternity anyway. But we're finally done. I did have a massive moan and a rant last week about how Wales fans should have been the final game because it was a fucking epic game and it was the perfect finish. And I was saying, it still should have been because of everything that was riding on it. But fuck me, France and Scotland did a good job of finishing her off anyway, didn't they? That was a great game. It was. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. I think before the tournament started, before obviously anyone had any waffles or anything like that happened, I'd kind of thought like that game, France, Scotland, you kind of looked at it as a neutral and thought that's probably going to be the most fun game of the tournament. And yeah, I think it probably was. It was, I, I thought it was a good tournament. Like overall, I thought it was once like a really good tournament as a spectator. And yeah, I think that was a really good game to end it on. And obviously like you know an excellent win for Scotland um and gave Wales the championship Wales were going to win it anyway but um because obviously France France weren't going to go and score another try even if they had they wouldn't they weren't going to win so um so yeah but it obviously ended well for for Wales as well but um I thought for Scotland fair play to them yeah a brilliant thing you see France win, still weren't going to win the championship Obviously, uh, nobody had told Doolan that he decided <laughs> that he was going to try and run in 20 points in the last 30 seconds. Absolute fucking madness. Can I just say, after the previous week, it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy? Well, to be fair, you say it couldn't well, have happened to a nicer guy. That's all he did really was score a try. Like, yeah. <laughs> you can't blame him for essentially doing his job for his country. Nah, he could have he could have just locked on intentionally, couldn't he, and give us the grand slam. But, you know, he decided to score his try. So, yeah, it couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. I don't really have a word with him because I was trying my best for that bet to come up. I... <laughs> but, yeah, it was a, a fucking batshit decision to, to go, we're going to play it from five yards out. With the game one, nothing else they could do. They had second wrapped up anyway. What's he thinking? Anyone? Any ideas? I think it's just very French rugby, isn't it? They were like, you know what? Why don't we just score a really nice try and everyone's going to be talking about it because it'll be the very last thing in the tournament. (laughs) And to be honest, I kind of, I like that and I don't want them, I don't want that to stop. Do you know what I mean? Like France are the team that you kind of most think if anyone's going to score from their five metre line, even though they've been on the back foot, it's it's going to be France and like I think you know he's had a bit of a howler obviously with that one but I just think all day I'd want him to to keep trying that as a neutral obviously if I was French I would have been fucking furious <laughs> but like as someone who's just watching it to and to enjoy the game like I think 
please do it every time. Don't go out, like don't kick it out. Go for it. Why not? It, it would have been fun if they'd have scored, and if they hadn't, like they didn't score, it was fun for Scotland, and it was it made the end of the game fun either way. So, well, Scotland decided that they were going to go out and play rugby anyway because they they went full barbars. Like they decided they weren't going for the posts. Mm. They were going to keep going to the club. They wanted to come and play rugby, which I kind of expected it to be the other way around. Knowing France were chasing the points and the bonus, I thought maybe France will turn down the shots to call. They'll go to the corner and they'll look at running in as many tries as they possibly can and winning this title. And Scotland will just keep chipping away at it. No, fuck that. Scotland were there to play. <laughs> they decided that they wanted to throw the ball around. France, obviously, being France, are going to throw the ball around anyway, but they were perhaps... Is it fair to say France were the more sensible of the two? Yeah, France tried to France tried to win the game before winning the tournament, didn't they? So they 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 were like, let's just get our four points, and then if we can get the five points, and if we can extend the lead, that's what they were trying to do. <clears throat> Whereas you fully expected them to go batshit crazy from the first minute and run from the five meter line every time they had the ball, which they didn't do. Which you would, would like Patricia just said would be totally. Like understandable because of France, like you don't know what they're going to do, so that will probably happen. <clears throat> but um, thankfully, that French team didn't turn up, and it was the boring one, the one that just wanted to win the game, and um, yeah, handed it to us. Great. I don't think I don't think I've watched the game as a. I can't say neutral because I obviously we all wanted the result for Scotland, but I've not watched a game where my team's not played in it and cheered so much at the end when someone scored, like. That do, yeah, I'm like, delighted for them. I yeah. was just over the moon. I think I think my neighbours upstairs, if they hadn't had a fucking party the night before that I moaned at, I think they probably would have moaned at me. Um <laughs> because I just went absolutely mental on, on on Friday night. But yeah, it's a great great finish. Obviously, fantastic game. Pip definitely pips the week before, I think, as, as the best game of the tournament for me, even though that France Wales game was 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 excellent. Yeah, see. Obviously, I mean, I was like, I broadly wanted Wales to win the Grand Slam, but obviously I'm, you know, I'm not Welsh and my team weren't playing in that game. And at, kind of at the end of the match, I was, I was like, I was upset for Wales. But then at the same time, I was, I mean, I can't lie. Like I was, this is a fucking unbelievable game. Like <laughs> I was literally just sat there like, what have we just watched? Um, and I, I think the Wales-France game was probably more fun than the Scotland France game, but um both games obviously like had dramatic finishes and um they were just they were how good was that penal try on Friday night? Like he is just he's on another level. So good. Well, there was the the weird thing with, with Penno scoring the try of it would have been a penalty try had he not scored the yeah. And so essentially him scoring the try cost him two points. Yeah. Because if he hadn't scored that try, we would probably try automatic conversion, which and, he, and a yellow card, and a yellow, and a yellow card. card. So he would have been better than knocking it on. Yeah. <laughs> he was too good yeah. for his own team. And he even turned around like before he grounded the ball, he was appealing to the ref that he'd been tackled <laughs> off the ball, and then he still, still he still it. managed to ground it. <laughs> like that's just so typical. It was oh, it was so good. But like kind of watching the first. It was a bit of a weird one because watching the first maybe like 10 minutes, I was kind of like, oh, you can instantly see how much France have missed Entomac. It just, it all felt so much more calm and they felt more in control. And then Finn Russell and Short Hogg started kicking and oh my God, there was like the sexiest kicking game. Just 
it was oh it was just so fun to watch it, it was brilliant it was and i said the week before I, I i still think that game was but i said the week before that it was such a good game i almost couldn't be disappointed that we lost mm. like i obviously i was a bit disappointed but it was such a good game it was just joyous like i like i, I was still yeah like my levels of serotonin were so high i couldn't be sad that we lost the game it was so good to watch that game and then because this r- week, r- rugby was the real winner yeah, yeah. yeah, it's the nonsense <laughs> cliche, but it's right today. Like, for I, something's happened to rugby in 2021, right? Because rugby in 2020 was shit. And I don't mean, and it's not because of COVID, because it was shit before COVID, right? So something, but something's happened in 2021, and rugby's become brilliant because. The, except for the Pro 14 final, which was except, a yeah. shit game. Oh my God. But the Bears Quinn's game. Then, oh what a game what a game that's one of the best games i've ever watched what a game oh just every time sammy randrandra gets the ball you're just just i just want to watch him just forever i just just the most nonchalant offload i've ever seen from a place just one-handed looking then, away throws the ball like and then they did all of that in the first half and played unbelievably. Then they they looked like they were shitting the bed. They went behind. Marcus Smith was absolutely running the show for Quinns. Had a, had a really good game. And then Bristol came back. They actually got their penalty try. It didn't get disallowed. And and they won the game. And it was, oh, it was, I, oh, it was, at least I got to watch one enjoyable game on Saturday. That was, it was so <laughs> much fun. What well, a fun game. Marcus Smith is the one person I'm surprised I haven't seen in more Lions teams from people who are back picking back. Oh, BT, did you hear the comms on BT? They were really like, because Warren Gatland was at the game. Is he here to look at Marcus Smith or Danny Kerr? No, <laughs> no, he isn't. Danny Kerr was the one I was like, oh, Danny, there's this, we need more depth at nine. So maybe <laughs> that, no, like, no. <laughs> he was clearly there to look at, you know, Kyle Sinclair. Like, he wasn't looking, he wasn't there to look at Marcus Smith. Well, he's probably there to look at the best game of rugby that we've seen at club level in. Yeah, it's not exactly. What was he going to do? Go to Dublin and watch like just two teams running into each other and not doing anything? <laughs> it was that that came up the other day, right? When I was watching, I watched a little bit of that game probably the last twenty minutes, and um, when I saw Gatlin being there, there was two things come through my head: was one. The only person I think he can be there watching is Sinclair because I can't see anyone else in the squads. I like Sheedy's brilliant, but I can't see Sheedy. It's too soon for Sheedy, and there's nobody else in Queens. Like unless he's gonna just for the absolute lols to see a fucking knobby face of Mike Brown at fullback. Like that's not gonna happen. But <laughs> unless he just wants to, so Gats can just see his face when he tells him he's not playing at the weekend. Just uh, like that's the only other option. But one of my friends sent me a message the other day, which actually now would fit perfectly well and, and would probably be an outside bet as to whether he's there to potentially have a chat with Pat Lamb about being part of his team for the summer. Whether that's yeah. the case, like I'll watch come and have a watch the game, like see how he get on, seeing how obviously Bristol are playing as a, like on a on a sort of a um bird's eye view, I suppose, and then maybe speak to Lamb afterwards as to potentially being part of his team because of how well he, he does get Bristol playing. I mean, realistically, he was probably just there because he couldn't travel to France or Ireland. Yeah. So he just went to a game and that was obviously, what was he going to go and watch? Like, he wasn't going to go watch like Leicester, was he? You're going to go to the fun game if you're going to go to a game. He's not going to go watch Glasgow Benetton. That's (laughs) 
Wasp Sale, Worcester, Northampton, or Bath, London Irish, was his other options on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, yeah. if you're going to pick one of them, like, I mean, on principle, I wouldn't go watch London Irish play ever. But if you're going to pick one of those, <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna go see Bristol. So, yeah, I feel a bit like uh, you've come up with some sort of conspiracy theory there, and then she's just shut you down with gone dark facts. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's just like I, I hadn't thought about it. One of my friends sent me a message um, yesterday. It was just like, I wonder if he's there to speak to Lamman, which I'm not saying it's going to happen, obviously, but it would be a great shout because he, he obviously he gets Bristol playing really well, but he hasn't named his, he hasn't named his vacuum yet, has he? Doesn't doesn't mean that doesn't mean that when you're going to go because he's not Brit, British and Irish, is he? So it doesn't really matter. That doesn't mean that the backroom stuff has to be. So it would be like just... it's. it's it's going to be something like a fucking five hundred to one bet, but that's not the point. Like, it, he's, I, I get what my mate was coming up with. Is, is this an option? He probably won't go, but maybe he just really likes drinking Thatchers. Could well be that, yeah. I don't blame him. Thatchers is great. Yeah, Thatchers is a great cider. So or yeah. maybe, maybe he's got a man crush on Sheedy like some of our friends have. <laughs> friends, anyway. <laughs> um... <laughs> So, all in all, I agree, fantastic Six Nations tournament. Not only other this I can't remember the last time a tournament was this good. Yeah, because usually if there's not a Grand Slam, like if there's a Grand Slam, the people who support that team are like, this was such a good tournament. But even the last time Ireland won a Grand Slam, they played like they had one really enjoyable game and it was against England because they battered them. And then the rest of the time, like the games were fine, but they weren't like spectacular. But this year it just felt like every game, because so many of the games were so tight, it just, they all felt interesting to watch, Mm. even the ones that weren't, you know, the ones at the neutral, except maybe like the first couple of Ireland ones were a bit just shit to watch but like after that it, I felt like everything was was interesting yeah but I, I I was taking a pick and I did say Italy then but to be fair the first two Italy games were quite good as well yeah they played well against France first half and they were very good against England yeah, yeah. they had England shitting themselves a bit at half time I think yeah Italy, Italy kind of got worse as the tournament went on which was such a shame to see because the first couple of games were that sort of even though the margins were obviously not where they need where they need to be. They weren't. It wasn't like watching them maybe two three years ago where you just you. It was kind of hard to watch because it's yeah. there's no contest. They felt the games felt more competitive against France and England, even though the score lines weren't. And then it kind of just they played Ireland next, and everything. It felt like it went off a bit of a cliff after that. Yeah. Um. But I- pretty much all the rest of the games, apart from. Uh, Wales and Ireland against England were really, really close games. Mm. It's a shame that it's against England, on it? Sounds well, that's just <laughs> that's just a fact. Ireland yeah, no. beat them by what fourteen, and Wales beat them by sixteen. Like they were the the two, you know, apart from the Italy games, they were the two, you know, yeah. other games, games that weren't that were close. close. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely no drama in the way that they were going to finish <laughs> with with an hour on the clock. Mm. But every other game. Every other game, pretty much, you could see the other team. The other team were in a position where they could, you know, challenge to win it, and that's that makes for exciting tournaments. Yeah, I, I think the um, some of the rugby play was of a quality that we haven't seen for a while. So yeah. teams look to to throw the ball on, and that, that's where England have been quite difficult to watch. Is they still stuck with our boring shit like they do. I mean, even even Ireland are not the most exciting team to watch at the minute, but even they got more 
watchable well, as the tournament, as the tournament went, went on. on. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. And I, it, it's as Burns' influence on that team grew, I think, because it's just brilliant. I love Tyke Burn. Like if, of all the non-Welsh players, he's the one at the minute that I. I they I, kept saying on the. They kept saying on Saturday before the final, it was because it was you know Munster's first final in four years, and they haven't won a trophy in ten years. And then it was Joey Carberry won it with Leinster all these years. Tyke Burn won it with Scarlets in two thousand. It was just all the Munster players who have won the trophy with other clubs. And I was just <laughs> it was a bit upsetting to listen to. <laughs> well, not for me. Because I'm, I'm absolutely delighted that Burns. Yeah, we've we've spoken about the 2017 <laughs> final, and we don't we don't think we need to do it again. I was at that game. I went to that game. Oh full yeah, of hope, you did, didn't you? Full of hope. I really thought, you know, I was going to see something so special, and then they got. I mean, you powered. definitely did see something special. It just wasn't from Munster. <laughs> it's not what I wanted. Yeah. Um. So I did say as well we were going to do our own sort of player of the tournament nominees. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen it. I think I might mention it earlier. Ugo Monia picks has picked his fifteen. Uh, so far, all I could find on YouTube was his pack. Marwatoji is his his starting second row. Now, I don't want to say he's picking on reputation, but he's not picking on form. Surely, I think I can understand Marwatoji being in people's Lions fifteens because it's, yes. it's different for the Lions. But if you're purely picking based on the five games that we've just watched, and you're picking a Toji instead of Alan Wynne Jones, Tyg Byrne, Adam Beard, um, Richie, Johnny Gray. Sorry, like there's so many. Yeah, I thought Henderson had a really Henderson good... had a really good tournament. I think, like, funny enough, Ireland's weakest second row was probably James Ryan, and even then, he still probably had better games than a Toji. I know he missed a couple, and Ireland seemed to play better almost when he wasn't there, which was unusual. I don't think that's a reflection on him, but he didn't have his best tournament. Yeah. But even then, you could understand him being picked over a Atoji to- a had a good game. Again, there was Which was the game where he gave away all the penalties? Was that the Wales, Wales. game? Wales, Wales yeah. yeah. Two tar- charge downs. And who, did they play, who did they play after that? France? France, yeah. He France. had a good game. Yeah, he played well in that game. Played it's really it. well in that game. And yeah. then the rest of the time, he was just kind of meh. Yeah. He just existed. Yeah. <laughs> he well, just was. I'm just trying to work this out now. And, and if you look at if you look at all the squads, you've got Adam Wynne Jones, Adam Beard, Corey Hill, Henderson, Boone, James Ryan, Richie Gray, uh Cummins. Cummins. Uh, I would even go as far as saying, what was the guy from Italy that you loved because he chased down Watson? Ah, uh, like I, I reckon Bollocks. seven or eight, seven or eight second rows had a better tournament than what Myra told you, Myra told you did. I yeah, don't I'd, see why he's anywhere near it. I, I love Atoje. I've, I've talked about this before in the past as well. Where I hated Atoje because for me he was the fucking clapper whooper in a team, and then he's really matured and grown, and the way he, he talks off the field is as good as he plays on the field. And so I'm, I'm a big fan, but yeah, I think it's absolute nonsense. Yeah, absolutely mad decision. Anywhere near your best players of the fucking tournament. No. Your best 50, like, no, sorry, but no, he's just not. He's just not. It was Lazzaroni was the, uh, the yeah. Italian who worked his fucking heart out all, all tournament. He was brilliant. One of the players who didn't deserve to be battered every week because he worked so fucking hard. But yeah, so... From 
I'm guessing no one's got a Toji in the the nominee. So the who who we picking? Who's our nominees for Player of the Tournament? Go on, Patricia. I, well, start with you. Yeah. Uh, I had Gail Fiku, who I can't believe wasn't in the Six Nations Player of the Tournament nominees. You know the official ones because I thought he was head and shoulders the best player in the tournament. I he had a ridiculously good tournament. Um, I had him. I went Tyke Byrne because obviously um, there was a few, and it, like there's there was so many players you could have looked at. Like the, you know there was the obvious ones, uh, Tipperick, Falatau. Uh, I thought Anthony Watson had a brilliant tournament. He was like in an England team that obviously didn't fire, you know, as well as you would have expected them to. I thought he was a proper standout player for them. Um, even like if I put my monster hat on for a minute, CJ Stander and Keith Earls both had excellent tournaments. Robbie Henshaw. I went for Hamish Watson as well as a yeah. third one because he was just brilliant. He's just always brilliant. He's great. I love him. Well, um, those three were on my list. I made a bit of a longer one because I knew we I knew we might sort of all duplicate each other. So I'm going to add to that Chris Harris. Yeah. Uh, great shout. Duhan. And then... Um, Patricia obviously mentioned him, but Toby Falatel. I thought he yeah. was just. Uh, I think. I think for Wales, there's there's people that are <sighs> somebody like Louis Rissamit has obviously got the headlines with the tries, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but I think Toby Falatel, under the radar, closely followed probably by Adam Beard, was probably our best player of the tournament. Um, because no one really picks out what Toby does and doesn't do, but because he did, like he, he was highlighted in the France game because of the yellow card. But apart from that, everything he does is nine out of ten every week. But you ne- you never see that because that's what just what you expect, Toby. He yeah. plays to that standard consistently for for so long. Um, but yeah, I would say that they would be mine. So Falatau, uh, Chris Harris, and Duan. Well, I um I I forgot Chris Harris was a brilliant tournament. Like loads of uh, people talk about really like, good on Friday night. Really, yeah, really good br- on Friday night. Brilliant defensively, mm. and like doesn't get the credit for the work that he does a lot of the time. The weird thing being, obviously, like after the first game, I was talking about Cam Redpath so much and how important he was to the Scottish centre. Yeah. And, and then we talk, and they talk about how, how brilliant Chris Harris has been. Um, I, the mission is a great shout as well. He's had another superb tournament. He's just been, he's incredible. Like I, I, the way he runs through players, and he looks he, like he doesn't look anything. Yeah, like he doesn't look like a player where you think, "Oh shit, I wouldn't want him running at me." When your teams line up, but fuck me, I wouldn't want him running at me. Like, and the work that he goes through, the work he does at the ruck, the work he does defensively as well, he's absolutely superb. And I'm glad you mentioned Tipperick because Tipperick would have been in like the number of tackles that he made all tournament were insane. Like the stats that they're, that are coming off. And you you always know you're gonna get it with him anyway, and like he really misses any, which is when you consider the numbers that he makes, is insane. My final three, I tried to go for a bit of balance, so I went for Burn. Ty Burn is it? I he's my. That's player not balance. Moment. You're like obsessed with Ty Burn. There's no balance. Ba- balance, there. balance between my three. So <laughs> oh, okay. uh, is, is your next one on the list, Damien DLN? Do any chance? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He told me he's watching some games. That's enough for me. I could just imagine him standing at home watching it, maybe with his top on. <laughs> um, 
I went for Win Jones because I thought he'd been been overlooked. Yeah, excellent tournament. Yeah, he, he's been superb. And I mean, he's done it with being given a facelift by Pedro Mani and having an eye plucked out by Vilemze. So I, like, he's he's really gone through the fucking mill to be mentioned. He's he's been superb. He's he's been a revelation. Like. I've said before, but I thought he was good. I thought he was an international quality player, and I thought he was stable. And coming into this, I said, yeah, I think he's, he's good enough to be our starting loser. Like, there's no doubt now he's nailed on our starting mm. loser. If he's he's fit and available, and we're picking a full-strength team, he has to play. And, like, if you'd said 12 months ago that you'd be talking about Wynn Jones as a possible Lion starter, you would have mm. said I was fucking crazy, but... <laughs> I think like we can genuinely have that conversation. And then I another one that I've named just because I fucking love him was Duan. Duan in for me because he's just exciting. Like the way that he carries, yeah. every time he touches the ball, you think something could happen. And it's the kind of thing that you get from watching Run Randra or, you know, to, from players. That he just every time he picks up ball, you think, well, can he do something? What's he going to do? Is he going to ride a tackle? The number of meters he's made... I think stands out because the other people who were making those figures are generally running a ball back where yeah. a lot of the meters he's making are after that first contact or even second contact and third contact. Uh, whether his try should have been allowed on Friday night or not, I was going to say, I don't know. I don't care that it was given the fucking Scotland. Yeah, I had a question mark over it and then I was like, <laughs> oh, like I'm a neutral, I really kind of don't care. I, the problem is as well that more players obviously join the breakdown behind him and so mm. then you've got the momentum. And so if players are pushing him, then that double movement rule becomes even more blurred because it's not a double movement if it's momentum from other players coming into the ruck. Yeah. So I give a fuck. It was a try. Rather weirdly, I uh, think was the only Frenchman that was named, which I thought we might have had a, a couple more. Yeah, that... I mean, the obvious, the obvious shout and like Dupont's nomination for player of the tournament, I don't think he had a good tournament. No, like he's still... He's still an incredible player, and don't get me wrong, right? To lose a playing monster on Saturday, I'm still shitting myself about him showing off. But like, I don't think he had, by his own standards, I don't think he had a, a good tournament. Not his best. But I'm blaming Cami Black, friend of the show, Cami Black, because he came on here and said that Ali Price is a better scrum half than Dupont is, and since he said that, I think he's <laughs> Dupont's dropped off. I think Dupont's really hurt. By Cammy's words, so we'll have can we get word. someone? Can we get someone on to say Connor Murray is the better scrum half than Dupont? <laughs> really helped, really helped Monster's chances this weekend. <laughs> I'll have a word with Cammy. I'll see if he can put Thanks. a video on. He'll probably um, do it as a sea shanty or something. You know, <laughs> like. The um, the only other one I wanted, to, I was tempted to add him into my list, more of a for shits and giggles, I suppose, because I think he had a very good tournament, even though they were obviously ended up being bottomless garbage. I think. I think him playing playing at ten in a better team is going to get a backline running. Like he played quite well individually, not 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 necessarily didn't control games obviously because Italy are just pads. But I thought I thought he played quite well attacking wise. Um, probably in a, in a year or so once his contract's up, obviously a, a move to a bigger club, whether it's in France or England. Obviously you might see him flourish a little bit, but international wise, it's not going to. But I just thought as a, as a longer list, he's an option to have on there, but he certainly isn't as good as the ones we've named. I've been watching uh, Line of Duty. I know you will have as well because you, you got very excited about it the other week. Oh, but amazing. Just, amazing. Like, like, for the tape, 
Patricia was shaking her head. <laughs> I just don't think I think he's I think he's a classy player and he's I mean he's so young and I think in time he will be a really, really classy player, but I don't think he had a good tournament, especially like a good second half of the tournament. I could give a shout actually, I thought Will Connors had two or three, I think it was three really good games. Mm. And obviously he didn't play against England or Wales. But I thought he had, it, it must be a blue scrum cap thing because, you know, it's <laughs> Tiffrick, Ty Byrne and Will Connors all had unbelievable tournaments. I thought Will, I thought Will Connors was great when he was playing. So that's the secret to be an international player. You've just got to look like a fucking... But if you want kid. to be a top quality back row... I'd, You've got to you look like to... a pool cue. If you, if you, if yeah. You, <laughs> he's a fucking chocolate top of the head. Um, yeah, he, he did have a, a, a... It's not an issue that Ireland have got the back row with the middle like well the I mean numbers. they're losing CJ Sander now so but I mean you've got more than enough players to come yeah. in and replace him look yeah. at the big smile she went yeah yeah <laughs> yeah you're right we have him I'm, not ha- I'm, not, I'm not happy I'm not happy that we're losing CJ Sander don't get it twisted or anything but it's not no. it's not an area that, that Ireland or Munster are struggling in I guess yeah that's a good point Um, and so that just about wraps up the tournament for now Agreed. All in yeah. all, um, we will we'll go through. So I, there's no argument that Wales had a tournament much better than everybody was expecting. I don't think we're at the end of our journey yet for want of a wonky X factory phase. Like we're not at the end of our journey yet, but it's been a, a good one for us. Ireland, how do you feel the tournament went? It's a bit of a strange one. Yeah, it's really hard. To, it's really hard to know because... They didn't have the best 2020 in that they lost to France and England, which is kind of, I mean, like they tend to lose to England. I know they didn't this year, but they they sort of tend to. And it, it, I don't really know. I like, I'm not, I wasn't surprised. I wasn't surprised that they lost to Wales and France. And then I was surprised that they picked it up. And I thought that they had a much improved second half of the tournament uh, after the Italy game in the Scotland and England games. And even in the Scotland game, they weren't great. I think I think there's still a little bit of trying to figure out who his players are, like what he actually wants to do with a massive pool. Of, like Ireland have a huge pool of players, you know, obviously mostly Leinster, but like they, there's so many players to choose from. And I think it's figuring out what he actually wants to do. I think there's areas that you can clearly look at and think, that's not really working and we need to figure out something that does work. But I think it was, I mean, they finished third. It was broadly kind of what you'd expect. They finished third in the last six nations. Like it was fine. It wasn't, they didn't set the world on fire, but they didn't completely shit the bed. If they hadn't won against Scotland and England, then you would have been saying uh, like disaster tournament. If they had only won one of those games or neither of those games, you know, disaster tournament after losing the first two. But I think they they picked it back up and they were fine and without being spectacular. I think that that helps a lot as well, that it was sort of a gradual progression rather yeah. than a drop off a cliff. Like we, we talked earlier about like, it's weird the way things work, that if Wales had won that tournament by beating England, by putting 40 points on them on the final game, having lost to France in the first or second week, we'd be talking about this as the greatest tournament that we've ever taken part in. Yeah. And I think Ireland, 
Yeah, it, it, the fact that they ended on that, like you, like you said, yeah. would have been the case for Wales. Ireland did obviously end on their big win against England and they haven't beaten England since the last time they won the Grand Slam. And it was, you know, they wins against England are hard to come by and Ireland weren't playing that well. Even though England weren't playing that well, they tend to still just come and beat Ireland. And it was that obviously, I think that kind of skews like a perspective on a whole tournament because Ireland didn't play excellent rugby in any game apart from, I thought they, they played across the board. I thought they were really, really good in the England game. But apart from that, they, they didn't have a full game where they were like at a consistent, you know, good level. Like even in, in the Scotland game, they were, you know, starting to shit the bed a bit. Um, so I think that skews it a bit, but I think, yeah, like they look, they're happy in mid table and y- you want to see improvements with, I don't know what rugby's going to look like when their next games are going to be or anything, but you want to see improvements. It's, it's a weird one as well, because I think you probably should have beaten France. I think when you look at that game, <laughs> I, I, I generally think you should have beat... I thought that they were... At our, at, they were really France. France played really poorly in that game. Yeah, yeah. Like not so much Ireland. Ireland were brilliant. France. It was like they didn't. They just didn't care. Yeah, it was. And I thought you should have beaten France. And then obviously you look back and go, okay, the Omani red card. Like, I wonder how close. Yeah, I don't. Were. I don't know that that would have made all the. I don't. I did. I don't see Ireland winning that game. That Wales game with with fifteen players. Um, I didn't at the time, and I I still don't. But. Yeah, it's a bit. Of, it's a bit of a weird one. I don't know. Like, like I say, they're they're. I think they're still looking for a back row, especially now that they're losing CJ. I think they need to find a back row. I think they need to find the best combination and the best way to use the backs that they have. Um, because I don't think Ring Rose is being used in a way that is kind of using him to his full potential because he's he's an unbelievable player, and I don't think he had a tournament that reflected that. I think. I don't want to be mean, but I think James Lowe is not perhaps the winger that we all no. thought he was going to be at international level. Um, yeah, I think, and I think, you know, Keith Earls had a really good tournament, but I don't know how much you can base on someone of his age. There's, there's, there's problems in the team and there's bits that are very, uh, there's bits where you can see solutions in terms of, um, you know, out half, you look at Joey Carberry coming back. Uh, if he gets a good run of games, you know, that might fix a the problem there. And there's, there's, you know, there's the players there to fill, to fill. They just need to figure out what players they want, I think. And I think it'll, I think it's close to clicking. It feels like it's, just, it's close. It, you definitely seem closer at the end of the tournament yeah. than you seem at the start of it. And certainly closer than you looked in the autumn. Because yeah, it's not it's not quite there, but I think yeah, I think it's getting the, there. Yeah, in the autumn you looked. I mean, even to the point where the Georgia game in the autumn, you thought, "Fuck!" Like, but at half time, oh, that game like, was so bad. I wanted Georgia <laughs> to win that game. I actively well, wanted Georgia to win that game. There was a point where Georgia run that try in, and you go, "Surely not!" <laughs> like they, they got me this bad. <laughs> so yeah, they've come they've come a long way. I don't think they're as far off as uh, as they were at the start. I think things are starting to come together. And I'm yeah, glad you I said- think it's smaller margins. It's smaller margins now. Yeah. And I think with an autumn of hopefully some experimentation and sort of shoring things up, I think they could they could potentially be uh, in a good place going into the next Six Nations, I think. Agreed. Um, just one point. Um, taking 
obviously because Siege is going, that back role for Ireland now is obviously obviously similar for Munster. There's probably about 15 players, I reckon, you would probably fit in there. What, what, would, what would you pick as your three? Oh, it's 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 such a tough one. Um, I think Peter O'Mahony tends to keep showing up at international level just when you think you can drop him. He'll have like three games in a row where you're like, oh, well, he's literally made the difference in these games. We can't drop him now. Um, I think he'll move back to six. Um, I think my my preferred two would be Dan Levy and Caelan Doris. Um, but I don't know if that's a bit of a light back row because I don't know who your sort of big guy is in there. Um, I think, like, look, you can call me out for being hideously biased. That's fine. Like, I think give Gavin Coombs a year and I think yeah. he'll, I think, I think he's a, I think he's the real deal. And I think even if he's on the bench to come on and just carry like a maniac for 20 minutes, um, you know, you could move Tyke Byrne to six. I don't know. There's, I want to see Dan Levy back. I think that's the main one for me. If he can, if he can just stay fixed, I think he made a massive difference to Ireland in the lead up to when he got injured, and I think he could do that again. I'm just surprised we got an hour in before you managed to mention Coombs. I, I just that's... love him. I just, he's so he's so good. He's so good, and he's so big. <laughs> Probably a perfect segue into uh, the game on Saturday, then, it? Oh, you had to bring a year for her. She was how happy Glasgow, she was. Glasgow versus Benetton. Yeah, exactly. The one we're talking about. <laughs> no, Great, the only reason I, I say the perfect segue because I watched that game on Saturday, and although it was a bit dour and obviously the result didn't go the way that you wanted, Coombs was outstanding, wasn't he, on Saturday? I thought I thought the back row were were really good. Um, Besides O'Mahony, went off early. I thought Byrne, CJ, Stander, and Gavin Coombs all had great games. Um, I thought Munster's defense in the first half. It's kind of it's ugh, you're not going to win any game with thirty percent possession. Like they had thirty percent possession, and obviously, you know that's that's them not playing well. But it, I think that does it down a little bit to just be like, oh, a well, Munster were shit. Like yeah, they were, but it's how good Leinster are at just not letting the other team have the ball. Like, I think, like, I don't particularly want to give credit to Leinster, but I think it kind of does them a bit of a disservice <laughs> to just say that, oh, yeah, Munster, Munster were shit, they didn't fire a shot. Oh, that's true, but Leinster's ball retention was ridiculous, and it felt very inevitable, um, especially after Leinster scored the try. I was like, oh, Munster aren't coming back to win this now because they can't get the fucking ball. Um but I thought Munster's defence in the first half was really, really good. Like they, you know, that's a Leinster team with 70% possession and they scored one try in the whole game. That's 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 unusual. I think as well the, the discipline of that Munster team because when Leinster build a pressure like that, I mean, like we, we've seen it, like people can't seem to get this into their heads when they were talking about like in the Six Nations teams are they they completely collapse under pressure. Well, no, it's not like, it's like the team is building so much. And once that momentum starts to come and you can't get the ball, then people give away penalties and give away stupid yellow cards. Munster were really good at keeping their discipline. I know there, there was like three penalties, I think, when the, the Leinster kicked. But the discipline 
when that's happening to not lose your head and think, well, I've got to get my hands in this rack or I've got to try and do something or you go into a tackle a little bit too fast and out of control and you give away a stupid penalty and, and get yellow yeah. carded. I think they were really good on that front. It's always going to be difficult. Like Leinster, we see them strangle so many teams like this. With yeah, Jess but it's just, it's, it's, it's just indescribable how frustrating it is, though. It's just, it's been there, done that. Like, Munster played Leinster in the Pro 14 semi-finals for the last three years, and they never show up. And it's just, if it's not even, even taking emotion out of it, whatever, for me, I wa- obviously I wanted them to win so badly. And I want, you know, CJ Sanders never won a trophy for Munster. They haven't won a trophy since I was in primary school. I was in primary school the last time they won a trophy. Paul O'Connell was still the captain. Like it's just, it's obviously I wanted them to win for all those reasons, but it, it this season felt like it was different. They won games this season that they wouldn't have won last season or the season before. And there's been so much talk about the the way the money that's been put into the academy and the products that are coming out of it now. It, it's really starting. They're really starting to reap the benefits of that. Um, and they're, it just, it's really, it felt more disappointing this time, I think, because they didn't fire a shot. Like they didn't score a point in the second half. They were, they were lucky to go in six all at halftime, really. Um, and I remember I said to, I said, I was watching it with my brother and I said at halftime, um, you know, Munster are really lucky to be going in six all. And you've, it almost felt like if they could just get the ball a bit more in the second half, it, you know, it might've been, it might've been different, but they just, they just couldn't. And, it's, yeah, it's just so disappointing. It's really frustrating. It's easier that, said than done as well. And it's yeah, oh Leinster yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, and like, Lens, you know, you don't win four 14s in a row by accident. You know what I mean? They're unbelievable. And even, but the thing that gets me, that's the closest Munster have had to a full strength team for three years, right? And that's a Leinster team that we're missing. James Ryan, Will Connors, Dan Levy, Caelan Doris, Gary Ringrose, uh, I feel like there was more and it yeah I just I don't know when you're going to get a better chance they they I mean they lost to the Ospreys last week and you were kind of like okay so they can be beaten like it's not like you can't beat them you know uh, I don't the know the academies have got more subs than, than like the months the bench to be fair like they've sub, I know sub, I know academies but like what it's you're never going to get a Leinster team that excite you and so the ball around and they're a joy to watch like I, I know sometimes it becomes a byproduct of it because they're so much stronger that they, they do have games where they score a lot of tries and perhaps they will go wide, but you know essentially they're going to strangle you first. Yeah. So when they're on form and they always seem to peak at that right time, like they they never don't turn up for a final. I think like maybe once or twice they've choked, but it's very very not late. for a long time though. Yeah, yeah. No, I, it's it's just like, one of them where. I don't know. I it it's just frustrating to watch them get they they and they do it. They kind of do it every year, but it was too. It was on a bigger level this year because they've been playing so much better. Monster have I think generally. Um, I think generally they've had a really good season, and t- they tend to get to the later games, the semi-finals, or and in this case, the final, and just not show up. They just they just. They, you know, they didn't fire a shot at all, and that's what's really frustrating about it. Um, I, I thought the some of the the interpretations of the breakdown were interesting. I'm not saying, you know, it's not making any difference to the outcome of that game. Leinster winning that game anyway, but 
it kind of meant that Munster couldn't couldn't get the ball because yeah. Tyg Byrne and CJ and these guys that are and you know DLND as well is is really good at affecting the turnover and they just couldn't do it. Yeah, they couldn't get in and and it's yeah it was it was a horrible game to watch as someone who had investment in it. I'm sure it wasn't uh, it wasn't a good game to watch as someone who had no investment in it either. Um, I don't know. It was- it's just disappointing. It was one of those weird ones because in the first half hour, nothing had really happened, but you could sort of admire the intensity of it then. Yeah. And then after half hour, the novelty of that kind of wore off and you just left. As soon as Leinster scored, I kind of thought there was really no point yeah. in them playing the rest the, of this. Because Munster, when it, was six, when it was six all, you were thinking, okay, they might not need the ball if Leinster aren't going to score a try. They, you know, they could win it 12-6 and it would be the worst final in the history of anything, but no one would care because they won. But then as soon as Leinster scored the try, it was like, well, Munster aren't going to get the ball long enough to score a try. So yeah. that was that. And it was kind of the end of it. So the shock outcome, Leinster win the Pro 14. Oh, who, who saw it coming? Slash, slash 10, slash what, what are we on this year? Where are we at? It, there was 12. Does that, does that mean that Scarlet's are not the defending Pro 12 champions anymore? I, I believe it says Pro 14 on the title, <laughs> so... It was a, Does a want nice anything try. to erase that game? It was a nice try. We are still Pro 12 champions, just like Scotland are the Five Nations <laughs> champions. Forever that would be the case. I just want to say as well, Paul O'Connell might have been Munster uh, captain when you were in primary school. Uh, when I left primary school, it would be another five years before he even made his debut. So... <laughs> <laughs> um, one thing we did miss on the Six Nations that I thought was uh, a big talking point that really needs addressing was uh, Wayne Pivak's background. Oh, oh the curtains. <laughs> the curtains, the floppy... I just loved. Side. I just loved that he had he had to come out in the press the next day and be like, "Look, they're not my curtains. I didn't pick them. Everyone leave me alone about the curtains." That really made me laugh. However, I did finish that point as well after he made that by saying, "However, if someone does want to sponsor me for new curtains, then I'll happily have a curtain sponsor." Well, I like that he gave us a full analysis on the yeah. curtains, where he said, "Look, they do a job. They keep the cold out. They keep the warm." <laughs> He's like, "It's a good seven out of ten performance. You know where you're gonna get." It's like the the Adley Parks of curtains. Like you know, he's not doesn't make any mistakes. <laughs> Many I just thought, why didn't they just give him a board that was big enough? Yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> like, why didn't they just set him up next to a plain wall? Like, surely there's one plain wall in the house. Or just zoom in a little bit more so you can just see the board. I don't know. It, it, it looked it looked so shoddy, and I get that. Like they didn't get to lift the tournament. They didn't get to lift the trophy on their own terms after their game. You know, they had to go into the like training facility and stuff. And I get all that. And it's like COVID and everything. But they could have made it look a bit better. But they still had a week to set that up. Yeah, exactly. Like, even if they waited until Dula ran that try in and they were like, shit, we hadn't planned for this. They still had a week to find a board, put it in his house and go, right, this is where <laughs> we're going to set up. Like, it wasn't that difficult, was it? Like, without some weird, it looked like the things for church bells, or I thought it looked like the broomsticks from Fantasia, like those weird fucking things. Oh, yeah, that was, yeah. And then, obviously, we had the the brilliant moment of the text messages coming through. Of yeah. yeah. And Bradley replying to my tweet to say yeah that was me sorry with a screenshot <laughs> saying I've been left on red <laughs> so that's, that's been one of the highlights of the tournament for me because he, he was trying to so carefully just reach out a shot to turn his phone <laughs> off 
So yeah, Bradley's be is absolutely great on Twitter because obviously being a Scarlet fan, he, he he's such a supportive son. Like he, he, whatever Wayne does, Bradley's generally there. I was in the England game. He fell asleep during. Yeah, he fell asleep just before, and he was like, "Shit, I, I've missed the game." Which obviously, you know, to be fair to him, he is in New Zealand. Like it's not like he was just in Carmarthen and the game was that bad. Like he is in New Zealand and slept and missed it. But I think he woke up with a load of messages on his phone and said, shit, I've obviously missed a good end. <laughs> so, yeah, that was uh, another particular highlight for me. So, on a complete roundup, are we all agreeing rugby in 2021 is much better than rugby in 2020, except that the Leinster still keep winning things? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's as if, like, rugby's had its first vaccination and the se- <laughs> second vaccination is somebody else winning... And not Linster. Yeah, maybe. Maybe we have our second shot. Munster yeah, the only the get. only mm, the only problem with that though is assuming they assuming Leinster win their whatever, I don't know what it is. Was it a round of 16th this weekend? Assuming they win that, they're gonna play Exeter in the quarterfinals. And do we like that means we have to cheer for Exeter if we want Leinster to not win. So uh, well, we haven't got to worry because obviously uh, all the extra players will be controlled by Bill Gates if they've had the. <laughs> so they're definitely anti-vax in Exeter. Come on, <laughs> there's no way any of them are going near that vaccine. Look, I just think they they've attracted all these players despite the fact that they were historically quite a small club, and it's no coincidence that their owner owns a telecommunications company. <laughs> The deal in 5G. I just you said think... this the last time I was yeah. on. It was, Sar- it, was Saras- <laughs> it was Saracens the last time I was I was on, and now it's Exeter. Both of them. Is this something in our 5G? There's got to be. <laughs> Jack Knowles warned everyone. So, <laughs> I think uh, Exeter conspiracy seems like a pretty good place to wrap it all up. It's been uh, <laughs> it's been a different way to end. So Exeter like, conspiracy isn't isn't that their sponsor EC. look it's all coming together when you look deep enough it all comes together I have to go make a tinfoil hat (laughs) right well thanks very much for coming on thanks for doing I would say thanks for doing the technical stuff for the conversation we had before they start and I'm not sure I should hold the line oh hang on oh shit yeah do we not need to tell you when it's a one oh shit yeah forgot about that bit I'm getting excited. We've just done a bloody... we just won the Six Nations. I can't remember this stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah, go on then. Give us your winners and winners. Um, my winner this week has to be everyone that was in that Scotland 23 on Friday night. <laughs> no bias. No bias. Patricia? Um, I had anyone who watched the Bristol game. Uh, yeah. Just all of them. And I had as well Gloucester, because Gloucester beat Extra Chiefs on Friday night, um, which is always fun, didn't they? Yeah, I they did. yeah with a bonus yeah. point as well, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. That one passed me by because obviously I was so excited about the Six Nations. I completely forgot that was a thing. Yeah, it was an early kickoff. And, uh, and yeah, they won. And that's always nice. Uh, Gloucester winning or Extra losing? I mean, extra, extra losing. I'm not particularly. I don't really care who does it, but like, like that's good, the, good for Gloucester, you know. They were massively, <laughs> massively understrength, but that's not the point. Extra loss, so that's all that matters. Uh, so my um, 
my winner for this week is um, I was gonna I was gonna go for Wayne Pivak's curtains because obviously no one's had as much as much publicity there except maybe Judy Love. Judy loves every fucking way at the minute. I didn't know who she was two weeks ago. She's out on my telly all the time. Um, but I'm going to go for semi run Runder because I, I just unbelievable Fair. this weekend again. Straight back and, and doing semi things. Unbelievable. What a player. So semi's my winner. Uh, Wank as well. Um, one you disagreed with earlier, but I'll say it anyway. Bruce Doolan for his just absolute mindfuck for not kicking the ball out, but whatever. It's oh. fine. Um, and anybody that puts salt on chips first. <laughs> Straight in, yeah, Patricia. See, I think with 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 Bruce Doolan, surely, I mean, what he did in meaning now that when you think about French fullbacks who have fucked up royally, you don't immediately think of Clement Poitrino anymore. He did a good thing for another for another, you know, a former Helping teammate, fellow like, countryman. Yeah, exactly. I think you know, I think he's a winner. Um, but for wankers, I had Leinster. Just, I just hate them so much. And um, myself for allowing myself to have hope that Munster would win a final in the game of rugby because that was upsetting. Uh, but just Leinster, just, oh, just go away. <laughs> yes, the hope that kills you. Yeah. Yeah. If Leinster could just go away, even if it's just for a bit, just leave, just leave us play for a bit. I mean, well, they lost to the Ospreys and then they came back and they just won the fight. Like, I I I knew when when um, the Ospreys won that game and that was a that was a brilliant game and I was so happy watching it and you know it was great for the Ospreys whatever. But I just as soon as they lost that game, I was like, well, they're not going to lose again next week. So you know, just the whole just the whole thing. I just think, can we find? some way to like force relegate Leinster like they did with Saracens because I think I think we'd have a better tournament if they weren't in it well we already know what their finances are like and it's all coming from the bloody IRFU so we can't do anything with them um, just, just get rid of them I don't care I want to tag on to my winners as well um, Ashley Newitt because his, his stats for the Pro 14 have been immense it's, it's carrying just Ashton Hewitt generally he's just yeah, great just all run good guy uh, my wankers my serious one is obviously on the back of the Kate Rowan article um, rugby and society in general for the way that we're treating women at the moment which is absolutely disgraceful and disgusting and something that needs to be done and then my uh, not so serious answer is Hugo Monia for putting Itoji in the 15. <laughs> I love Hugo, but fucking yeah, come on, Hugs, man. And um, Ellis Genge for his response to, one, <laughs> to John Welsh running across the touchline at him because <laughs> he probably shit the bed and it was hilarious. So, um, yeah, that's my my wankers for this week. So, now I'll wrap it all up. Thanks, Paul, for, for reminding me that. It's not like we do it every single week or anything. No, no. Um, so, thank you, Wally, for being here and for reminding me to do winners and wankers and thanks as always Patricia for coming on it's thanks. always great having you been brilliant even in the back of a difficult week where yeah the last um, time I came on Monster just beating Claremont and it was really exciting and I was really happy and today <laughs> I was like oh I get to talk about them losing a final I'm so excited well we just sort of lay you go last time you were on you just went for like quarter of an hour and we just sat back and drunk <laughs> beer and you just talked about how great life was in rugby so yeah, it's good. It's good to have contrast in this light and shade. It's this yeah. what you need. And final word on that point, then, Patricia. What's your prediction for Saturday? 
<laughs> uh, to lose by, I don't know, 12, 15, 20. As many as they want. They give the ball to Ches and Colby three times. He's going to score three tries. So, you know, to lose by however many they want. And as we always know, she's always the optimist when it comes to Munster. <laughs> the last time I came on, I said Munster were going to beat Leinster and then the game got cancelled. Well, there you go. It's like a win. It's better than a defeat. Then they played it and then they lost, but... Ah, but not then. <laughs> <laughs> right, thanks both. Thanks for everyone for listening. And uh, that's it for the Six Nations. You've been listening to Rock and Roll in association with health and adversity. Tackling mental health together. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.